Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The Democratic Association of What About Whataboutism, where after four years of complaining about the Republicans' whataboutism defense of President Trump. What about our emails? Democratic defenders of Governor Cuomo are asking, What about Trump? What about Kavanaugh? And did we what about as and what about Trump yet? The Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh rape alibi calendar because if it doesn't say on your calendar that you raped women, then you couldn't have raped any women. Because if you raped women, you would have written rape women on your calendar. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh rape alibi calendars. They're not just for Republicans anymore. And resignation quicker than impeachment, but with the same result. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices are the only thing lower than the odds that Governor Cuomo survives this thing. Our top story this week. As of this recording, President Biden has yet to hold a solo press conference, marking the longest period of time in recent history that a new president has gone without availing himself to the press corps for questioning. In President Biden's defense, he has delivered a lot of speeches. As FDR said, I'm going to give it to you straight from the shoulder. And based on the content of those speeches, the truth comes straight from the shoulder because I like the truth and my shower handles the hinge on a ball and socket joint. A solo press conference might not be the best thing for him to do. The shoulder bones connected to the truth bone. The truth bones connected to the mouth bone. For more on President Biden's odd phraseologies, Barely Audible Whisper turns to the only president in modern history with even odder phraseologies, George W. Bush. Now, now fool me once, shame on you. Now, fool me twice, uh, you, just, you don't, uh, don't, don't do that. On second thought, for a coherent segment on President Biden's odd way of speaking, Barely Audible Whisper turns to President Obama. Uh, let me be clear. Wait, wait, I got it, I got it. Fool me once, WND. Fool me twice, don't mess with Texas. <laughs> uh, I actually pause for so long in the middle of my sentences. Fool me once because it's April Fool's Day, <laughs> but you, you can't fool me on April 2nd. <laughs> uh, that you can fit an entire George W. Bush line in between my pauses. Wrong second thought. That was second thought. Technically, this is third thought. Whatever. Let's just go to City University of New York linguistics expert, Dr. Connie Lingus. Hello. I'm Cooney linguist, Connie Lingus. I'm going to resist the temptation to smell her hair because I gave up hair smelling for Lent. President Biden is very old. As such, he makes references to things nobody else remembers. It's like Pat Boone once said on a phonograph record. Buy war bonds. To make matters worse, Biden makes himself seem even older than his already incredibly old oldness by quoting people even older than he is. As my great-grandfather once said to Genghis Khan. And to make matters worse, still, the expressions he references often start out as familiar sayings but quickly diverge into weird half-thoughts that no one is familiar with. By the, by the grace of God, and the rising river, and the fish in the bucket taste like oatmeal. 
Given President Biden's proclivity for quoting bizarre expressions that aren't really expressions. Like my fourth cousin twice removed, ex-girlfriend's home economics teacher's husband, third best friend, uncle by marriage used to say, don't mix your handkerchief with a hand grenade because a handkerchief blows the nose clean. But a hand grenade blows the nose clean off. It's not hard to imagine why the Biden administration is hesitant to subject the president and the American people to a Biden press conference. Mr. President, do you really think that life can return to relative normalcy by July? By the grace of God and a successfully harvested crop of corn over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. It's like my grandmother used to say, keep the chickens at the coop. And the barnyard in the bushes. I see. What? When I was a boy, my dad once said to me, Joe, a man's word is his bond. And an adhesive bond is glue. And if you form a bond with a horse before that horse breaks his leg, that's the bond before the adhesive bond. The inevitable awkwardness of a Biden press conference is made all the more frustrating given that Vice President Kamala Harris is an excellent, if not overdramatic, speaker. Madam Vice President, what does the Biden administration intend to do about the growing humanitarian crisis on the border? There was a little girl, or in this case, about 4,000 unaccompanied boys and girls. And those boys and girls showed up at our border and our government was woefully unprepared. Wow, Uh, you somehow managed to make that horrible situation sound good. That's because I pause almost as long as President Obama. But unlike Obama, my pauses don't seem like pauses because I speak so overdramatically slowly that all of my words seem punctuated by pauses. It's been a little over a full year since the longest goddamn year in the history of the Earth rotating around the sun, and even though we're literally mere months away from potentially returning to normalcy, several Republican governors have decided to do their best to doom us to living with COVID for all eternity. Woohoo! Let's reopen everything! This strategyless strategy of reopening everything mere months before it might be actually safe to reopen everything Thus risking the safety of reopening everything is the governing equivalent of a degenerate gambler betting it all on a long shot. And they're off. Come on, not kill everybody. And mass vaccination is off to a strong start, but variant-resistant vaccine is gaining ground. And moving up in the Mississippi, Texas, and Oklahoma lanes is needless death. Variant-resistant vaccine is dragging speed off the momentum of the needless death, and it looks like it's going to be a needlessly close race between variant-resistant vaccine and herd immunity. 
even more frustrating than the insane gambler impulse of this disturbingly high number of Republican governors, let it ride, is the complete lack of tangible benefits that come from reopening too early. If by no tangible benefit you mean no benefit to the people of my state, then you are correct, but you are forgetting the political benefit I'm betting on, assuming that my reopening bet doesn't actually derail the vaccine's effectiveness, whereby I can try and claim that reopening early and not the American Rescue Act is what saved the economy. Who would be dumb enough to believe that? Masks are tyranny. Trump really won, and vaccines are a deep state plot to control our minds with socialism. Why my idiot base, of course. Oh yeah, those idiots. Speaking of idiots, Republican governors aren't the only idiots trying to rig the race against getting enough people vaccinated before a new variant renders our current vaccine ineffective. Mass vaccination is pulling ahead, but spring break running closely behind and making out with strangers is making a move every bit as aggressive as the name implies. <laughs> Did that needless scream spread enough potential COVID droplets far enough to fuck up your vaccine program? I don't know. I better share this giant margarita with like six more people just to make sure. Oh my God, yeah. And let's share a joint and lick each other's faces. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that joint hits harder than my COVID droplets inside an <coughs> immunocompromised asthmatic. Here to respond to this massive outbreak of stupidity is Dr. Fauci. While the uh, temptation to shed the mitigation measures that have interfered with our lives this past year is understandable, it is important that everybody remain vigilant for just a little while longer to ensure the highest possible chance of a successful outcome that will ultimately allow us to achieve a long-term return to our normal lives. Here to respond to what Dr. Fauci just said is what Dr. Fauci is actually thinking. What the fuck is wrong with you dumb motherfuckers? Did you realize how fucking close we are? After 10 fucking months of Trump's bullshit, we're finally fucking turning this thing around and you wanna put all that fucking hope in jeopardy for a fucking beach party and a cheap fucking political stunt? Well, fuck you, you selfish, short-sighted fucks. Fuck you, you shelf, you <laughs> well, Fuck you, you shelf. <laughs> There is a mounting crisis on the border that the Biden administration is hesitant to call a crisis. Press Secretary Saki, why are you hesitant to call the government's inability to handle the sudden influx of almost 4,000 unaccompanied minors at the southern border a crisis? First of all, the problem on the border is not a crisis in the same sense that the COVID crisis is a crisis. Because we call the COVID crisis a crisis because we didn't cause the crisis. But the border issue is not a crisis. Because even though we didn't cause this crisis-esque condition, we're more responsible for the not-a-crisis border crisis than we are the COVID crisis. Thus, a crisis can only be called a crisis if we are 100% blameless. But since we're only about 75% blameless for the current not-a-crisis, we would prefer not to call it a crisis. Meanwhile, anti-immigrant Trump Republicans are jumping at the opportunity to scare the shit out of their gullible base by overhyping the crisis. Hordes of illegal, criminal, terrorist children are going to rape and murder us all because Joe Biden stopped building the wall that Trump wasn't really building. 
That's not an accurate description. Of They're going to steal all of our jobs. But there's already a major unemployment problem in America. Immigrants can't steal jobs that don't exist. That's basic cause and effect. But if you put the effect ahead of the cause, then the effect becomes the cause, and the cause becomes the effect. Uh, the effect of which is that the immigrants stole the jobs before there were any jobs to steal. Unfortunately, Republicans knee-jerk conspiratorial racism. Mexicans eat white babies and rape rich white people's labradoodles. Makes it impossible to have a meaningful discussion about the complicated issue of immigration policy without excluding their inaccurate hate-based rhetoric from the conversation. Help! I'm being canceled! If they won't let me voice my baseless opinion on this podcast, then I only have hundreds of thousands of other platforms to scream from. Further complicating things is the fact that the Democrats' comprehension of the immigration issues often fail to move beyond the knee-jerk anti-Trump sentiment. Trump kidnapped children, and Republicans were complicit. That's true, but how does that excuse the Biden administration's- Trump kidnapped children, and Republicans were complicit. Yes, but- Trump kidnapped children. And Republicans were complicit. Got it. Here to try and give the issue the nuanced understanding it deserves is Barely Audible Whispers' nuanced correspondent, whose name is merely a label and therefore not a complete reflection of the multifaceted intricacies That's that... too much nuance. Hello. I'm Barely Audible Whispers' nuanced correspondent reporting from America's border with Mexico which you must understand only exists as a result of the complicated history of Texas statehood, the Mexican-American War, and the early American policy of expansion. too much nuance. Anyway, there currently exists what most people would describe as a crisis on America's southern border. It's not a crisis, it's a problem of potentially crisis-level proportions. Which stems from a variety of factors. Biden is a pussy. Pussies look like tacos. Uh, Mexicans like tacos. Many of the predominantly Honduran refugees. Uh, Honduras is one of the, the Mexicos that's even worse than Mexico, which is why they changed their name from Mexico to Honorura, Mexico. Have actually been stranded in impoverished tent cities in Mexico due to President Trump's inhumane remain in Mexico policy. Ha! I told you it was Trump's fault. While many more have caravaned to the border since President Biden took office. I told you it was the pussy taco effect. The sudden influx of thousands of refugees. Violent criminal gang members. Who are actually fleeing rampant criminal gang violence has overwhelmed our underfunded immigration system. Because of Trump. Because of Democrats. Because of decades of inadequate leadership from both parties. Although the Biden administration got off to a slow start because they failed to predict this somewhat predictable crisis. It's not a crisis. It's a crisis level crisis type, not crisis.
crisis. They have begun to coordinate a humane and responsible, albeit slow moving and mealy mouth response. We inherited a health crisis, an economic crisis, and a crisis in democracy itself. So it would really help us out a lot if we could not call this other crisis a crisis, because even the most competent crisis management can reach a crisis point of crises. But even as the Biden administration tries to invent humane ways of efficiently processing immigrants through a systematically inefficient and inhumane immigration system, this immediate crisis will inevitably be followed by future crises. God damn it, I need a drink. Until a long-term, reasonable, humane, and comprehensive immigration policy is passed into law, which seems unlikely given the complete lack of nuance in our current political discourse. Trump kidnapped children, and Republicans were complicit. Job-stealing, ISIS-loving, puppy-raping, communist murderers. And that's the news from the southern border. Actually, it's at best more of a brief summation that inadequately encapsulates That's the- too much nuance. Nuance is annoying, but often necessary. Mm, the nuanced approach to finding the appropriate level of nuance involves a nuanced examination of the numerous nuances. Uh, Vatican released a message this week approved by Pope Francis. I love him. Stating that the Catholic Church cannot bless same-sex marriages. I don't love him anymore. The message from the Vatican is largely gay positive, stressing that a positive relationship between a same-sex couple is to be valued and appreciated, and calling on all Catholics to quote, welcome with respect and sensitivity persons with homosexual inclinations before ultimately saying that because sex outside of a heterosexual marriage is a sin, same-sex marriage cannot be blessed by the church. I have confusing feelings about the Pope. To help sort out the Vatican's message is our own Catholic priest, Father Murphy McMurphy. Blessings to you all as individuals and not necessarily to your marriages. I'm Father Murphy McMurphy, and I'm here to help explain what the Vatican is saying and what they're not saying about gay marriage. Mostly it's what they're not saying. I recently met with two couples who are interested in joining our congregation. Hi, Father. Thanks for meeting with us. We're Mr. and Mrs. Guy Toxic. My name is Brenda. Honey, I already introduced you. You don't need to talk. And I'm Leslie Union. And I'm Gail Sweet. For now. <laughs> yes, for now. We just got married. <laughs> We're combining <laughs> our names. So once we finish the paperwork, we will be the sweet unions. <laughs> it's nice to meet you all. I understand you're interested in joining our church. What questions can I answer for you? <clears throat> well, we both grew up Catholic, but kind of drifted away. But now we've started to feel welcome again. 
and we wanted to rejoin the church. But we just heard about the Vatican's statement on same-sex marriage, so now we're confused. We had the same question. We thought the church was losing its way until we heard that message. And now that we know the church still condemns gay people, we're back on board. Also, I mean, I both, think I covered both. it, honey. Uh, let the priest answer. First off, that's not what the church is saying. The church does not condemn gay people. Oh, thank God. So the church sees gay relationships as just as valid as straight ones. No, that's not what the church is saying. Oh. Our doctrine is still that the sacrament of marriage is a union between a man and a woman open to the transmission of life in barren children. And any sexual act outside of that is a sin. So we can still tell gays they're sinners who are going to hell. No, that's definitely not what the church is saying. Guy, or... Hash, Brenda, let the priest speak. Okay. Everyone is deserving of respect and sensitivity, and the church is called on to welcome any who are seeking God. We bless the individuals with homosexual inclinations. We simply cannot bless their marriage. So, we can show up at your church, but I can't call her my wife. No, that's not what the church is saying. You're just saying we're allowed to refuse to admit their marriage. Historically speaking, actually. No, that's also not what the church is saying. There is marriage as a legal status, and then there's marriage as a blessed sacrament. The Pope has advocated for same-sex couples to have all the legal rights of marriage, but as they cannot biologically produce children, their marriage cannot be blessed by the church. So you're saying that the church won't bless a marriage between an infertile man and a woman? No, because they can hope and pray for his infertility to be miraculously cured. Right, Father? Or if two 70-year-olds fall in love, does the church refuse to bless their marriage? Abraham. Brenda, let the priest answer the question. The church is not even saying that it refuses to bless your marriage. The church does not have the power to. But you'll bless the marriage of this asshole and the woman he won't let speak. Well, apocryphally. Brenda, for the love of God, will you shut up? You're making me look bad in front of the priest. You're just like my first wife. Oh, praise God. No, Leslie, I can't bless their marriage either because Mr. Toxic has been married before. That's it, Brenda. We're leaving. Okay. So you're saying we're in the same boat as divorcees and can't have our marriage blessed because of a technicality in the church's rigid definition of marriage? That's what the church is saying. This is what happens when the rules of marriage are written by a bunch of men sworn to celibacy. What do you think, Gail? Can we live with that? I think so. Hmm. I wish this wasn't true, but it's actually really moving to just hear a church say that we deserve respect and sensitivity. Yes, the evangelical set the bar very low for us. Leslie and Gail, can I can I go with you? No, yes, <laughs> we're gonna adopt you. I'm Brenda, in the car. This past Sunday marked the first day of Daylight Savings Time, whereby we all sprung our clocks ahead one hour. And yet, somehow, the Grammys still dragged on forever. 
This year's Daylight Savings Time has been met with calls to make Daylight Savings Time the permanent standard time, thus replacing standard time with Daylight Savings Time so that Daylight Savings Time becomes standard time. Here to put Daylight Savings Time into the broader historical timeline of the history of time is celebrated physicist and author of A Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking. To understand the history of time, one must start with the time before time, which by definition is not actually a time that we can be expressed as a time, but rather a time for which there is no time because there is no time at that time before time. Time out. We don't have time to cover that much time. Skipping ahead in time to the time of the invention of daylight savings time is barely audible whispers own, Harvard history professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. Daylight savings time was not, as is popularly misconceived, created so that farmers could utilize the free labor of their children by creating an extra hour of workable daylight at the end of the school day. Well, if the damn government's gonna force me to educate my children, deny me and my God-given right to work their undereducated asses like mules, well, then the least they can do is invent an extra hour so I can make them work instead of studying like a bunch of damn socialists. Daylight savings time was actually invented during World War I to help with the war effort. I'm surrounded by death, inside a disease-ridden trench, fighting the deadliest and most purposeless war in history. Well, at least now I can enjoy an extra hour of sunlight. The actual purpose of daylight savings time was to conserve American energy resources, thus aiding the war effort. President Wilson, this war doesn't make any sense. First, a series of purely greedy, idiotic, imperialist alliances created a power-hungry powder keg so volatile that half the world went to war because of the assassination of an obscure archduke. Then, you campaigned on the promise to keep us out of the war, only to immediately get us in to the war. And if you think that doesn't make any sense, wait till you hear about how our strategy for winning is contingent on five o'clock being four o'clock for six months, and then changing it back to five o'clock. <laughs> but even as the origins of daylight savings time makes little sense. Thank God it's only four o'clock or I would have been killed by that mortar that landed at five o'clock. Especially since even if you accept the sense of the premise, its implementation still makes no sense. If the idea is to extend daylight hours, why are we extending daylight during the time of year when daylight is already extended? Wouldn't it make more sense to extend daylight during the time when there's less daylight? That makes too much sense. And it is essential that nothing about this war makes any sense. The real-life benefits of daylight savings time have proven to be remarkably sensible. Oh, uh, during standard time, I, I sleep through the first couple of hours of daylight, uh, then work through most of the remaining daylight. But as it turns out, human beings enjoy being able to spend some time in the daylight. 
There has also been a proven connection to negative health consequences and the disruption of circadian rhythm caused by the arbitrary changing of our construction of time. In order to go to sleep at the same time I always do, uh, I have to go to sleep at a different time, which requires time to adjust the new time. Uh, but once I adjust the new time, they, they change the time again. Over time, this constant adjustment to the construct of time exacerbates medical conditions such as heart trouble, actually causing people to die before it is their time. Oh, I'm having a heart attack. Uh, oh, if only there was more time. In addition to which, it has been well established that the return to the shortened days of standard time at the time when days are already shorter is a contributing factor to seasonal depression. We <laughs> can start at three o'clock in the afternoon. I just want to see the sun. It turns out that human beings enjoy being able to spend time in the daylight. <laughs> And as it turns out, daylight savings time actually does decrease American energy consumption by a very little bit, which is why Congress extended the amount of time we live under daylight savings time in 2007. Due to climate change and an over-dependence on foreign energy, America faces a long-term energy crisis so grave that we, the United States Congress, must act swiftly to take some bullshit half-measure that accomplishes very little. Otherwise, we face the very real possibility of not being able to pretend to solve problems. What if we make daylight savings time last a little longer? That is brilliant! That way, we cannot really do anything but take credit for doing something. Yay, we did a thing. We did a thing. Which brings us to our current time, where even as some members of Congress are suggesting that we make daylight savings time permanent, it is unlikely to be done due to Congress's knack for not doing reasonable things that everybody likes. If we do nonpartisan, reasonable things that everybody likes, then neither party can gain a partisan political advantage. What the hell would be the point of that? I do not know. And so it is that a dumb idea actually turned out to be a good idea, which is why the good idea of extending the bad idea turned good idea will likely be defeated by Congress an institution that was a good idea because the framers of the good idea could not anticipate their good idea's tendency to embrace bad idea. The state of South Dakota, which you may remember from having one of the worst COVID outbreaks on planet Earth, despite only having 27 residents, as governor of all 27 residents of the great state of South Dakota, I have enacted no public health measures, encouraged a crowded, maskless, politicized 4th of July super spreader Trump rally, and promoted a 500,000 person week long super spreader biker rally. Because the new official state motto of South Dakota shall be Welcome to South Dakota. 
cough in my face, and lick my nostrils. Is once again in the news for the extraordinary wrongness of their idiotic governance. The South Dakota legislature passed an anti-transgender bill, disguised as a women's rights bill, which bans transgender women from participating in women's sports due to an imaginary athletic advantage that trans women don't actually have over other women. We must ban transgender women from playing women's sports because this one time, a not transgender woman lost a race to a transgender woman, which isn't fair because if the transgender woman used to be a man, then it's like a man beat a woman and men have an athletic advantage over women because penises are like baseball bats, but vaginas are like unclosable catcher's mats. The bill that is expected to be signed into law by that South Dakota governor and vacant J. Crew mannequin, Christy Noam, is so wrong that Barely Audible Whisper had to invent the most wrong correspondent in history to rightly convey its wrongness. Hello! I am most wrong correspondent Stephen P. Jones. That is Stephen spelled J-O-H-N, P spelled Q, and Jones spelled S-M-I-T-H. As Stephen P. Jones spelled John Q. Smith, I've been wrong about everything ever since I learned my ABCs. C-X-H-J-S-K-V, ampersand question mark number three. But even somebody as incredibly wrong as I have always been. Now I know that circles are squares. Hairless dogs have the most hair. Even I can see how wrong South Dakota's anti-trans legislation is. To start with, the bill's so wrong. Be here to cover how wrong the wrong pretext for the wrong substance is before you even get the wrong substance that the wrong pretext wrongly justifies. I probably phrased that wrong. As a transgendered individual, I'm exponentially more likely than any other demographic to suffer from depression, suicidal ideations, homelessness, discrimination, bullying, assault, even murder. I wanted to win a race. But instead, I came in second place. I'm the real victim. Even I, Stephen, spelled John, P, spelled Q, Jones spelled Smith, can see what's wrong with this assessment. It's basically claiming that it's unfair for trans women to compete against non-trans women because some trans women might be better athletes. That would be like saying it was wrong for Jackson Robbie to integrate water polo in the 16th century. It was wrong for Jackie Robinson to integrate baseball in the 1940s. That is what I meant. Because he was so much better at baseball than anybody else. I'm not racist. I just don't think it's fair that he could hit for power and average and play unparalleled defense and be the most brilliant base runner the game has ever known. He stole home plate. At a time, it never even occurred to white people that stealing home plate was a thing you could do. We don't hate him because he's black. We hate him because he's better than us. So much better. But proponents of South Dakota's anti-trans legislation have wrongly argued that the analogy to Jojo Robinson Crusoe integrating ice dancing last Tuesday. Jackie Robinson integrating baseball in the 40s. That is what I meant. Anyway. They have wrongly argued that trans women have a biologically unfair advantage. 
her. Because if you think about it, without really thinking about it, a trans woman is more of a man than a not trans woman because of the testosterone and penises and stuff. Mm, actually, a trans woman's hormonal and other gender-determinative biological factors are by definition female. And that is precisely why trans women are trans women and not men. But what if a man who's not a trans woman pretended to be a trans woman so he could compete as a she in a woman's track and field? Why would anybody do that? Because they wanted to be the RuPaul of being the Jackie Robinson of being Florence Griffith Joyner! So, by wrongly identifying not the victim of not discrimination as the victim of discrimination. I refuse to suffer the indignities of coming in second place just because someone else finished ahead of me. Don't worry about me. I'm just living in fear of being beaten to death because insecure assholes are irrationally threatened by my identity. And wrongly asserting scientific sounding claims that have been scientifically proven to be wrong. Trans women are really just men who want to play sports against women because penises, like Gatorade commercials, are the key to victory. South Dakota Republicans are wrongly justifying discriminating against trans people by claiming to protect not trans people from an imaginary scenario in which they might hypothetically experience the most minimal negative effect of the least discriminatory discrimination. I came in second place! Hmm. For screaming at the top of our lungs, I'm always wrong correspondent Stephen, spelled John, P spelled Q, Jones spelled Smith, saying hello and welcome to a completely visual exploration of good governance in the densely populated colonial territorial province of Western Carolina. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host Molly Baldwin, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, actors Emily Sams-Brown, Ali Glonick, Robin Ward, Michael Morgan, and Joshi Newkirk. Please check out BarelyAudibleWhisper.com where you can subscribe to our podcast or you can subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your other podcasts. We appreciate your support. (laughs) Skipping ahead in time to the time of the invention of Daylight Savings Time is Barely Audible Whisper's own Harvard professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. I am a Harvard history professor. You did not say the word history, and that's important to me. Will you please reread your life? <laughs> In loving memory of Corey Burns. Hubris!